And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 202. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Baranovsky. Connor, what's going on? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's uh, it's going to be, you know, a fun time for you between Beanpot Games. Um, and for people who also listen to Bruins Beat, you'll know I just did the exact same intro with Scott McLaughlin, but you're both BU people. So I must ask you your feelings on the Beanpot real quick. What are you feeling? What are you feeling going into BU Northeastern? Uh, feeling pretty good, Evan. Uh, as expected, I was completely confident the whole way during that of game course. on Monday against BC, even when BC made that charge back. Knew, knew the Terriers had it. Wasn't going to get knocked off their game. Was definitely not sweating. Definitely wasn't getting a little nervous there in the third period. Was cool as a cucumber, as the kids say these days. So Yes, the kids are nope. saying this. No, yeah, Exactly. The, the kids with the TikTok dances and all that hip stuff. That's what they're doing. The gritty. But yes, exactly. Just learned it as we've talked about before. <laughs> um, but no, uh, great. I mean, I could see that being one. I mean, that should be the hockey championship. But um, my God, if they meet again in the NCAA tournament, what a what a what a great showdown that would be! Because my God, both those teams like BC, that team's friggin' legit. Yeah, I think they both are. Um, you definitely didn't come up to me at the end of the game and go like, "Whew, that never happened." No, no you were cool no, as no. cool, calm, and collected, as the kids say. So yes, I agree with you though. I think BC holds a little bit of the edge, and it's only because of the goaltender. That's what I think is gonna separate them. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong because if either they run into UMass in the national tournament, that's true. Good, good luck to you. Good luck yes. to you. That would also mean being in Springfield, Mass, for the regional, which out of the four might be the nicest. So uh, that's also think, true. Yeah, I think it's it's Providence, Springfield, which Providence obviously holds the edge over Springfield. I think Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and yes. St. Louis. So yikes. That's Sounds a great. hell of a slate. Oh, that's yeah. a hell of a slate. They they've got to go to uh, teams host it at you know like you want to have crowds. Please, I, I uh, every year I watch it and the hockey's great, but the fans. I mean, there's nobody there. None. I, I, I saw one where I think is it next year one of the regionals is in like fucking Toledo. Like, who the fuck <sighs> wants to go to Toledo? Oh my god. Who the fuck is Toledo? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't need to know because I'm never going to go there. I don't want to go there. Um, and I don't know why they keep doing this. I know this isn't Bruins. People are getting all... I don't care. I'm going to fucking talk about what I want to talk about. I'm in a mood, all right? We're going to talk college hockey for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think... It, I agree with you. Um, I just... I I go... I want fans at the games. I'm so sick of turning them on on that Thursday and Friday. And the games are great. And But it's at like 1 in the afternoon, so nobody's there. Uh, which would be... It'll be hopefully like UMass will be in Springfield. Hopefully that means like, you know, UMass fans will make the trip out. It's not yeah. that far from Amherst. But um, I, my guess is BU and BC probably would be in different regionals. Um, yeah. And hopefully at least one of them is local so the fans can make the trip. Yes. So um, let's hope. Anyways, uh, on to the Bruins. Bruins. Big win over Vancouver on Thursday night. Uh, little 2011 revenge. Little Thatcher Demko revenge for snubbing Jeremy Swayman, I think. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me uh, on Thursday night. But um, arguably one of their best performances for per, bleh, one of their best performances of the season. Uh, you know, Vancouver played like crap. I think that yeah. needs to be ta- said as well. Yeah. Definitely wasn't their best. But, I mean, I think the way the Bruins bounced back, like after a crappy game against Calgary, I think it, you know, Vancouver, 
a really nice showing against Vancouver. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you look at the way the Bruins responded, and it was just so many different areas, right? You have the PK, which has really been struggling, I think really since the holiday break. Uh, they go a perfect 3-for-3 three three against a really high-powered Vancouver power play, and they get two shorthanded goals out of it. Pretty good. You'll take that, I think. But not just that. You know, the fact that you have other guys contribute on the score sheet. You have a guy like Pavel Zaka gets going. Um, you have Morgan Geeky getting the most absurd goal ever. I thought that was David Pasternak's goal where he's just – That was nuts. His broken stick doing just a straight whirly bird in the air. I thought like it literally just distracted Demko and that went in, which is like did Pasternak scored a lot of goals. That one would be up there in terms of one of the most absurd of just like his stick obliterating. It's like when a little kid gets he's like when a little kid gets put in the outfield and they're just kind of like playing with daisies and it's like, no, that's your look at the, the puck. Yes. Look at the puck. And he's like, oh, oh, like that was that with the with the I, with the stick. I thought I, I thought I thought it was like the TikTok meme where it was like helicopter, helicopter, like the thing like <laughs> flying through, just flying through the air. It's like Demko was just like just smitten by looking at that exploded stick. Like he couldn't he couldn't pay attention to the puck flying towards him at all. But um, beyond the fact you have so many guys stepping up there and, and contributing. Um, defensively right like we talked all about this team what the bedrock of their success is going to be and it's going to be obviously you'll take the shutout from Lena's Lomark, but the fact that you only gave up 17 shots on goal um really limited uh the quality grade a chances that Vancouver's able to generate and again like that's a team that's at the top of the west for a, re- a reason you look at their roster just how many guys can really take over on you know a shifter in a game you know not even just like the the Pedersons at Lindholms you got Quinn Hughes having a great year you've got JT Miller Brock Besser Connor Garland all those guys really didn't generate a whole lot against the Bruins throughout that game so I think that's probably the most encouraging thing like I don't know how often you're going to have a a two shorthanded goal game you'll take it but I think them really playing smart simplified hockey really shutting down the quality chances in their own end that's kind of the blueprint you'll take if you're the Bruins in terms of how you're able to, you know, hopefully string together a pretty promising playoff run this year. That was kind of the blueprint, I think. Yeah, I agree. I was hoping for the three shorthanded goals and one Ooh. penalty kill. That was a legend. That was what 2010 against the Hurricanes. I think that was. I believe, I believe so. Right. Yes, that was a all time. So um, the two the two in one period will take. Um, I agree with you though. In terms of how to beat a team, like obviously you're not going to get shorthanded goals like that every night. Um, Vancouver's power play is a lot more dynamic than it showed um, on Thursday. But I just think in terms of winning puck battles and just wanting it more. And I know, again, like, again, tough night from Vancouver has to be said. But I just, I go back to, they played like garbage on Tuesday, the Bruins did. I mean, that was a horrible showing. And to come back against a much better team. Now, again, there's more hype around it, right? Vancouver... Uh, the way they're playing, two best teams in the NHL, you're going to show up for that one over, you know, a trap game against Calgary, the way that they've been playing. Um, surprised we didn't see any Brad Martian trying to pull any flames onto the Bruins bench. I thought yes. we'd see that. That never happened. Instead, we got um, Charlie McAvoy attacking the situate man on uh, on Thursday night, which... Uh, he literally grabbed Connor Garland's head and, like, his head disappeared. He was like, he was like, <laughs> Ichabod, he was like Ichabod Crane for a second there. I was like, Jesus. It was it was intense. It was intense. Um, and another one, uh, Brad Marshing gets one of the shorthanded goals, um, and he's very close to 400 goals. Uh, well, he will hit a thousand games against Tampa on n- next Tuesday, which, Tuesday, by the way, yeah. is my birthday. So, 
two great things happening in one day. That's pretty incredible. This is like um, when Michael Scott. This is like when Michael Scott brings the donuts into the office for his birthday <laughs> to let everyone know that's his birthday. It's my birthday, Love guys. Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. birthday. Um, but again, I, you know, he's I think forty eight points in fifty one games. He ha- we've talked about this a couple times this year, and I still feel like you're not really getting the credit that he deserves because my God, he is even better than we thought. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when you look at one, the fact that he's put in this new spot now of being the captain, and he's been pretty candid about that. I think early on there was a transition period where, you know, he's this guy who's obviously has been an established veteran leader in this team for a while, but it's a whole lot different when you've got the C on your sweater and you're the you're the guy that people deferred to. So uh, you deal with that adjustment early on. You look at the fact that he doesn't have Patrice Bergeron on his line, which people thought maybe there was going to be some regression there of just not having that that chemistry that, you know, that we all have seen for, you know, over a decade out there as well. And also the fact that he's 35 and he's still what less than two years removed from double hip surgery. And again, he's showed that he's played at a high level since then, but still you, you look at the age plus, you know, the severity of what that procedure is. And it's like, all right, is he on borrowed time in terms of maintaining his levels as an elite level player? Um, hasn't been the case this year, right? I mean, he's on pace for, I think, the first 40-goal season of his career. If not 40 goals, he's going to be right there at 38-39, at least on the current pace he's on. Um, and I think you look at that game against Vancouver on on Thursday, right, where uh felt like it was one of those games where it was going to follow the same script as Calgary. Like, Lauco takes a penalty, what, 17 seconds into the game? You're like, ah, shit, here we go again, right, after that after that really lackluster game on Tuesday. Ah, shit, here we go again. Yeah, Another great exactly. TikTok meme. Yes, uh, but you look at that, right? And then Marshan scores 34 seconds into the game, and the momentum all shifts right back to the Bruins after that. And that's something that we've seen from Marshan countless times before, whether it's getting the timely goal, the timely hit, doing something to spark the, the his teammates after the whistle, what have you. Um, that's something that we've seen him do for years now. But for him to do it, you know, at his age, with these responsibilities, you know, put on him, plus with the fact he just doesn't have a guy like Bergeron, he's kind of carved out his own. Uh, path as the Bruins' new captain. It's impressive, and I think like we all know, he's still an elite level player, and he's still going to he's still going to get his flowers for the year he's had stepping in as the captain. But it is something where I think you look at the stats every once in a while, and you're like, God damn, for a guy that age on pace for 40 goals, it is really impressive. It is. Um, there's something even more impressive to what he's doing that I want to touch on. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I mean, really, it's one of the best sports days of the year. Even in the post Brady era for Patriots fans, there's nothing better than posting up with your pals, making some buff chick dip, maybe a few nachos, ordering some wings, and watching two powerhouses play. Now, I don't know about you, I'm going to take a Travis Kelsey touchdown in Las Vegas. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's a pretty good deal. So go to FanDuel.com Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass, first online real money wager only. 
$10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So, uh, you know, it's funny. In the offseason, when Bergeron retired, when Krejci left, uh, obviously the discussion was who's going to be captain. And one thing we, you know, I discussed a lot was if you're not going to choose Marshan, which you should choose Marshan. We were very adamant about you've got to go with Marshan. He's been here the longest. You know, he's the bridge to that core. But if you're not going to do it, you should trade him. And another part of the reason was, you know, don't keep him around to be the assistant again. That's disrespectful. But also, he was regressing a little bit last year. He showed a little bit of regression. Now, he was coming off double hip surgery. uh, So I think that needs to be noted as well. But it was not the greatest season for him last year. And I think there were a lot of valid questions coming into this year of at 35 years old, you know, as you said, two years removed from double hip surgery. Is he going to be as effective? And I think the fact that he's been not just uh, an increase on last year and effective, but he's been a tone setter. I mean, you look at the the shorthanded play on Friday night where he just creates that chance and he just kind of, you know, outwills those guys behind the net and outwills Demko in front. Like, that's vintage Marshand, and that's been there this year, and he's stepped up, and he's owned the moment, and I think the fact that he's been able to do that is, you know, incredible at his age, and he does, it. there hasn't been a lot of cracks in his game this year at all. He's looked a lot better, um, so to me, that's been the most impressive part for him in terms of just where he was like a year ago. Yeah, I think it also helps that maybe it's just playing the Vancouver Canucks just elevates another yes. level out of him. Maybe, <laughs> true. <laughs> maybe, like, again, that'd be a very fun uh, Stanley Cup final if it ever gets to that. But, my God, I'm sure Vancouver Canucks fans would not be thrilled about dealing with Brad Marchand again. But, um, but no, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of um, just how impactful he's been. And I think, yeah, there were valid concerns. Like, it's not to say that, you know, Marchand's, you know, not not the same player he was, but like dude was what going into his age thirty five season with those hip surgeries, not just one, two at the same time. Like hips don't lie, hips yep, don't lie. As the great Shakira said, yes, well said, Evan. Uh, but when you look at just what his you know his age is, what um, the amount of wear and tear he's had, like this is not the first major procedure he's had. Um, guy that takes a beating for you know a player that's what five nine anyway. So. Um, I don't think you were, you know, throwing a hot take out there in terms of wondering whether or not Marchand's best years are behind him. Um, but so far, he's been everything you need out of the, the Bruins team in that role. And I think it's something we've talked about before is that it's even though the Bruins have had some, you know, stinkers this year in terms of really lackluster games. Um, and again, probably that Calgary game is the, the flattest I've seen them all year. But like, yeah, that games- was that was rough. Yeah, like even like maybe that the road game in Winnipeg was not great, but like even you look at some of these games where they get they had know, one in Columbus earlier in the year that was terrible. yeah, but like you look at um like that game in against the Rangers where it was what seven four they had another game where I think they gave up six or you know five or six goals, but were kind of bouncing back and trying to fight their way back into the game. Like again, seven goals is seven goals, but there's been rarely games where the Bruins just get run out of the building, and I think that also plays into the tone that a guy like Marshan sets that even if this team is down 
two, three, goal, two, three goals early on, um, they rarely kind of uh, mail it in. And I think when you look at Marshan and the career he's kind of carved out for himself, the mindset he has, his approach on the ice, and just how he's developed as a player, it really shouldn't come as much of a surprise that a Bruins team kind of takes that takes on that DNA in terms of never kind of being out of the fight. And I think you've seen it this year. It's again, uh, and it's a, a good mindset to have, especially when there's going to be a whole lot more adversity uh, in the coming months. Yeah. And they don't, even in terms of like, uh, you mentioned in games fighting back, they don't, they bounce back pretty well from game to game. They yeah. don't go down much uh, in terms of losing streaks. Uh, you look at kind of how they went into the holiday break. They went into the holiday break kind of lackluster. They came out of it great. They've been great ever since. Like, even we have bad game on Tuesday night, great game Thursday. Like, they have this resiliency to them that I think is very encouraging and should be encouraging uh, when the playoffs come around. But uh, before the rest of our conversation, a quick word, Connor, from our sponsor. So the Canucks are fresh off of uh, making the biggest trade of the year and getting Elias Lindholm. And had a great opening night against Carolina. Got two yes. goals. Uh, did nothing on Thursday night. Bust. Sucks. This guy. Sh- why, did, why did the Bruins want this guy? I mean, fuck out of here. Go back to the AHL. Um, at the same time, it, it's interesting, though, with, with Lindholm and this Vancouver team. He has not signed with Vancouver yet. Uh, the Bruins have been rumored as a team that uh, wanted to trade for him if he wanted to sign long term, um, and they'll probably be interested in him again when the summer comes around. And he's a free agent. Vancouver, to me, and I said this on Bruins beat with Scott McLaughlin. Vancouver, to me, is an interesting team because they haven't been through the playoffs yet. This group, yeah. they've they've been through a lot of crap in the regular season, but they haven't gone through it quite yet in the postseason. And if they can sign Lindholm long term, that's great that's awesome but if this is a one and done year with Lindholm and he goes somewhere else in the offseason that trade is going to age like milk unless they win the cup right yeah no absolutely it's definitely a big risk in terms of just operating with the assumption and again like like most teams I'm sure you're one of those things where all right you don't sign an extension right off the bat but stay in with the team you know build some camaraderie with the guys in the room maybe uh eventually get them to sign on the dotted line before the season ends. That's been the case a couple of times before of, of guys joining on and eventually signing long-term, but it is a big risk for the Canucks in terms of just the, what you had to give up to, to acquire them. And it's kind of a weird situation, right? Because you look at Vancouver and they already have to deal with Elias Pettersson and what he's going to cost, right? It's like, what, what's Elias Pettersson going to cost? Like 10 million, 11. Yeah. Right? I mean, like he's that. played his way into that tier. Yeah, so like you have to deal with that. So you you have to be allocating a good amount of money um, in terms of retaining some of your other key pieces on the team, and then even that that game on Thursday, like Lee's Lindholm built a reputation as one of the better two way centers in the in the NHL. He's playing on the wing on Pedersen's line. I was like, is that really making the most out of a guy who's really good at faceoffs, really good defensively? Like I, and again, it's kind of like one of those things where are they more focused on putting him with other elite talent to get him rolling as opposed to having him drive play by himself, which that's the case. I don't know. I don't know if I'd shell out eight and a half, nine million for a guy like in Lindholm who you have to either put with other, you know, impact players to really get that, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a regular 40 goal guy. Like he was at one year in, in uh, Calgary where I think every player went sicko mode on that team. That was the year where he would like Chuck had a hundred points and everything. Yep. Like um, but if, if Lindholm is a guy that is a very good two-way centerman, but you have to surround him with other top talent to really maximize his value of being an $8.5, $9 million guy, 
I don't know. I would rather sign a guy like Hannafin and bolster your decor for maybe the same price, if not maybe cheaper. I don't know what I don't know what Hannafin will end up being. Is it seven and a half, eight and a half, something around then? But yeah, from the Bruins, I still look more at a guy like that than a guy like Lindholm. And again, as as you said, Evan, it is one game. I'm sure he's going to be just fine with Vancouver. He's still a very good player, Elias Lindholm. But um, it does reinforce in terms of how Vancouver is planning on using him that if he does go to market, I don't think it's a slam dunk that the Bruins are automatically going to look at a guy like him just because maybe he fits what we expected going into the year was going to be a major weakness of this team, which is play down the middle. Yeah. Also, the other thing that you have to consider is let's say things go south in Vancouver, right? Let's say they misutilize him on the wing. The production's kind of down. They're out in the first or second round. Might lower his value. And suddenly he's someone that you could potentially get on the relative cheap and be a center for you. Like that could be something you do. Now, I still like what's his value going to go from, you know, eight million to seven or something like that? Like, is it going to be that big of a difference? Uh, But I agree with you. Like, if the Bruins got him, he would be a center, you yes. and you would move like Zaka to the wing. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give the house for Lindholm and then be like, eh, have fun on the right wing, buddy. Like, yeah. you'll get your chances. Like, uh, to me, he's a center, and and if he's going to be billed as a two way center, you go out and get him as a two way center, not a freaking wing. So yeah, I, you, I agree. With you, you can do that. that when it's Pavel Zaka, where he's making like what's Pavel Zaka making under five million, right? I think it isn't it isn't it right at five million. Four point seven five million is. Oh wow! Through, I didn't know this was yeah. that much of a bargain. Four point seven five million through twenty twenty seven. So four more years under that contract. So guy like that, you could maybe switch around if need be. But if you're giving Elias Lindholm eight million plus, yeah, he better be playing down the middle. He better be driving play by himself. Again, you'll take it if he's. With he better him. fix the freaking green line with that money. You know? That's impossible. That not even <laughs> fucking Connor McDavid could do that. <laughs> yeah, Connor McDavid at 15 million. He just could never do something no. like that. Um, but anyway, with Zaka, you mentioned Zaka. Um, scores one on uh, on Thursday night. A beautiful saucer pass from Van Riemsdyk. My goodness. Yeah. Um, but Zaka's starting to get hot. And again, I think he's like 31 points in around uh, 48 games. Um, but again, he's really starting to kind of come into his own, getting hot at the right time. And I think, uh, again, as we mentioned, he's someone that – you can put anywhere, but I feel like down the middle right now seems to be working. Yeah, and he he's a guy that I think he's got six points over his last four games, I want to say. And uh, Ty Anderson and I recorded a podcast a few days ago, and we were looking at players that need a really strong second half, and there's the usual suspects we all we all know and love. You have the Jake DeBrusque, the Hampus, yeah. guys like that. But Zaka is a guy that, again – I don't think it's realistic to be like, oh, this guy had a breakout year last year. He needs to be a 60-point guy. Um, but I think just more of that consistency that you saw from him last year, um, and especially getting more pucks on net, is not uh, prone to uh, adopting a shot-first mentality. Um, again, when you're playing with a guy like David Pasternak, that gets even easier to do, but has a really um, really sneaky shot um, when he's able to you know, get in that great AI. And you've seen the last couple of games, but – I think Pavel Zaka is a guy that if he, again, I'm not saying this guy needs to explode and have 29 points in the last 32 games or something like that. That'd be great. Bruins will take it. Oh, but that wouldn't be the worst thing be, in the world. Yes. But if he's able to be more consistent, I think, and uh, drive play down the middle on that second line, um, that'll be huge for this team. Because all of a sudden, we all know how good Coyle's been. We know how good that top line's been. And when you've got guys like Pasternak, you've got a pretty lethal second line as well. But if Zaka can, you know, drive play himself and bury those chances well, just makes your team that much better. 
It does. And I think it kind of continues to put to bed the questions of, does this team need another center? A legitimate, you know, number one or top six center at the least. Because uh, I think he's worked. He's been working, and I think his game translates well. Um, even if the production isn't there as much as it should be, I still like his passing ability. I like, I do think his two-way uh, play is good. So, like, I, I like what he's giving you. I agree, though. The production could be there a bit, a bit more. Yeah. Um, anyways, Connor, that's this episode of Poke the Bear. Uh, what can the people look forward to from you over at the Boston Globe and Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this season, whether it's game recaps, features, columns, looking at the trade deadline, all that fun stuff in the, the days and weeks ahead. So you can find all that over at boston.com and the Globe. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, X, whatever it's called, uh, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. And you won today's fan duel. My fan's not running. Yours is kicking my ass today. So fan duel, Connor, one, Evan, zero. That's how it works. Uh, anyways, that's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week.